This is Tell Me Something I Don't Know. I'm Stephen Dubner. Joining me today as co-host and real-time fact-checker, AJ Jacobs. Greetings, AJ. Hello, Stephen. AJ, as you know, we will have a guest on the line who will try to tell us something we don't know. Uh, you and I will hear him out. We'll ask some questions. We'll be a little judgy, perhaps. Let's get to it, AJ. Today, we are speaking with Nick Elam. Nick, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. How are you? Just great. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am assistant professor of educational leadership at Ball State University and the founder and coordinator of a special interest group of Mensa members who are avid sports fans. <laughs> so just another big gang of super over-educated intellectual sports nerds, in other words. That's your group? <laughs> well, I will say it's a very small subset of the total Mensa membership. Do you do anything in the sports world as well? I do. I, will, I invented the hybrid duration format for basketball, where most of each game is played with a clock, but where the final portion of each game is played without a clock. And the primary aims of the format are to reduce deliberate fouling, stalling, and sloppy possessions near the end of the game, and to provide more memorable game-ending moments. The basketball tournament, an annual event broadcast on ESPN, renamed the format the Elam Ending and implemented it successfully during their preliminary rounds in oh, June 2017. Okay. I know who you are, so you're you're a little bit famous, aren't you, Nick? Uh, not quite. <laughs> you said that ESPN gave it the name. You didn't give it the name and kind of tell ESPN to use it? <laughs> right. Uh, it wouldn't have been cool if I named it that, but when they said, because all, all along I've used the name Hybrid Duration Format. Wow, very catchy. Yeah, it's not a very cool name, but when they said they wanted to name it the Elam Ending and attach my name to it, I thought that was very cool. Okay, so let's back up. You said it was used recently um, at the basketball tournament. Can you tell us more what that is? Sure. Sylvie wants the win! It's a $2 million winner-take-all tournament. That's kind of the appeal of it. BDB moves on! This year, there were 70-plus teams entered into the field, but only one of them is going to win $2 million. And how much does it resemble, let's say, NBA basketball? Is it five-on-five? Are the rules the same, et cetera, et cetera? It is five-on-five basketball, and anyone who watches it would say, oh, this looks a lot like NBA, looks a lot like college basketball or Olympic basketball. So what you've invented is basically a new way for basketball games to end, correct? That's right. And to maintain a high quality of play all the way through the end of the game, because so many times we see the, the quality of play deteriorate near the end of games because teams are trying to manipulate the game clock. Manipulate the game clock. Let me explain this for a sec. Have you ever noticed how at the end of a lot of basketball games, when the score is kind of close-ish, the last two minutes take about a half hour to actually play out? The team that's behind starts making all these intentional fouls to stop the clock. Then they hope against hope that the team that's winning will miss their free throws and give the losing team a chance to get the ball back and score to pull ahead. It usually makes the final plays of a good game horribly boring, a fact a reporter pointed out earlier this year in a press conference with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Adam, there was a Rockets-Thunder game last week which took nearly nine minutes to play 24 seconds. Uh, Are timeouts at the end of the game something which concerns you, and if so, what are the options? Thank you. It's a great question, and and it's something that I know all sport is looking at right now, and that is the format of the game and the length of time, of time it takes to play the game. You know, obviously um, people, particularly millennials, have increasingly short attention spans. So it's something, as a business, we need to pay attention to. And to your point, when the last few minutes of the game take an extraordinary amount of time, sometimes it's incredibly interesting for fans, other times it's not. Um, so 
The short answer to your question is we are going to take a fresh look at the format, specifically in the last two minutes. We have a competition committee that reviews... Okay, so first of all, before we get to the solution, Nick, persuade us that the problem is that much of a problem. I wasn't sure what the extent of the problem was either. And so in a sample of over 2,200 NBA, NCAA, and Olympic games played from 2014 through 2017, trailing teams resorted to deliberate fouling during the late stages of over half of those games. And that team ultimately won the game only 1% of the time. Still, trailing teams uh, continue to resort to deliberate fouling and essentially giving away free points because they have no other option with the game clock working against them. And what do you say to the argument that it's really enjoyable to watch deliberate fouling? I like seeing people like, uh, it's like hockey, you know, punch them in the face. Uh, well, that's a matter of taste, uh, <laughs> but I would say I enjoy the quality of play that we see for most of each game, uh, more so than the, the end. In my mind, the, the quality deteriorates near the end. Do you know that viewers uh, dislike the current scenario? Um. I mean, only from anecdotal feedback. What I can tell you is that when we did implement uh, this new format at the basketball tournament in June, it did get positive feedback uh, from the organizers, from players, from coaches, from referees, from broadcasters, um, and on Twitter – um, it's almost all positive feedback. Gotcha. I mean, really what you'd want to do is you'd want to take like 2,000 real NBA games, right, on tape, and then stage – the alternate ending for all 2,000 of those and get the players to replay it, which would be easy to do because they're just NBA superstars, <laughs> and then show like 100,000 people both sets and right. randomly control it and then have them vote, right? Nick, isn't that what we really want to do? Uh, that's uh, that's one possibility, I guess, that, that seems like a stretch. <laughs> that's but, science. Uh, it's an important experiment. Yeah, science is hard. That's why we don't do it. But you mentioned, uh, you know, the possibility that maybe people do like that uh, – that kind of warped uh, style of play at the end of games. I mean, it, it's possible, and I mean, basketball is thriving, and I, I'm a big basketball fan myself, but I think this is a way to make a good thing even better. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so how does the Elam ending work? So different variations could be used, and the basketball tournament is using the version where the game clock vanishes with four minutes remaining in the game, and where teams then play to a target score equal to the leading team's score plus seven. So, for example, if the score is 64-61 when the game clock is shut off, then teams play first to 71 wins. So the leading team score plus seven. Correct. Okay, so if I'm down 30, then I'm done. And the idea is at least I don't do the stupid deliberate fouling, yes? Right. And so even I think this does provide uh, more hope for comebacks. Now, a 30-point comeback, that's a stretch. But I think... Even so, whether there's a comeback or not, I think the end of the game is going to be more satisfying because if the leading team holds on, they get to do so and seal their their victory using the same quality of play and style of play that they use to get that lead. If there is a comeback, which there's a greater chance because, again, trailing teams don't have to hand away free points. They don't have to rush when they're on offense. uh, Then, hey, comebacks are exciting, too. Interestingly, however, you have made it a little bit more like baseball, right? I can be down 30 runs in the bottom of the ninth and theoretically have a chance. So you've taken the most exciting sport and turned it into the most boring one or no? <laughs> well, I think uh, that's, you know, if, if you don't like baseball, that might still be one 
uh, part of baseball that is appealing is that uh, right. there's always a chance for a comeback. So it's not turning it totally into baseball. I think the, the best part about the Elam ending is that you still get to keep and enhance all of the appealing parts of those exciting finishes that we see in basketball, but you get to eliminate and alleviate a lot of the unappealing parts. I think it's a great idea. Uh, and there was uh, early on in basketball a big problem where the scores were too low because people were playing too defensively. And that's where the 24-second clock came in. And the first basketball game ever in 1891, organized by James Naismith, the score was... Do you, do you know what the score was, Stephen? I don't know. It was a scintillating one to zero. <laughs> one to zero. And Naismith said this was partly because the players were tackling each other. Uh, so they, And one was knocked unconscious. And that might be a way to make it more exciting, actually, to bring back tackle basketball. Well, for decades, the NBA has tried to address uh, the late game problem. And so it's not just me saying that this is something that can be improved. The NBA and the NCAA themselves have tried to address it. Uh, by introducing the shot clock, by introducing backcourt yeah. violations to to yeah. make it harder to stall. And then also there's further discussion about, well, do we maybe we just punish the fouling team more to discourage them from fouling. But the problem with that is that uh, you still don't give them a better option than fouling. And right. that actually might have unintended consequences where it leads to more fouling and fewer comebacks than what we see now. So that won't work. Right. So theoretically, if you impose, let's say, a four-shot rule on a foul, right, then theoretically they're still going to do it because there's a chance that someone could miss three of the four or four of the four. Mm. Right. They've got to stop the clock, so they have to foul and just cross their fingers that they miss all those free throws. By the way, the biggest fouler in history in the NBA, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's the LeBron James of fouling with 4,657 personal fouls. New York City kid. Yeah. Hey, Nick, I want to know, first of all, how much the Elam ending has actually been tried out in games at any level? Where it was first introduced, I mean, on an official level, was, again, at the basketball tournament during their preliminary rounds in June 2017. Call it E squared, the Elam ending. E squared, okay. Oh, so it's really new. Yeah, it's, it's very new. Uh, but unofficially, players have played basketball without a clock uh, growing up on an sure. official and unofficial basis all across the world for generations. Yeah, th this is this is just kind of a, in some ways, a codified and sophisticated way of the backyard or playground thing. Like, you know, it's getting dark, next team to score blank wins, right? Yeah, and I think that's part of the appeal of it is that it's not a totally unfamiliar concept. It's uh, actually kind of got a throwback appeal. Mm-hmm. And, and let me ask you this. What kind of... Um, I guess, unanticipated consequences. Have you seen? One thing I'm thinking is, would one team or maybe even both teams be much more likely to play their worst players a lot more until the four-minute mark when you want to bring back your best players fully rested? Right now, you know, whoever has the one or two best players, those teams have such a high chance of winning. But if, uh, if depth were more important and deeper benches and, and spreading out those minutes to more players... Uh, that might improve the competitive balance yeah. issue that the NBA is trying to address. I wouldn't take credit for that, even if it works. That, that wasn't really the design part of the plan when I developed the Elam ending. It sounds like you've gotten fairly comfortable saying the words, the Elam ending, yes? <laughs> hey, that's its name now. Better than hybrid duration <laughs> format, I guess. The Elam ending and the targets. What's the average length of time that the last seven-point 
race lasts or the last seven point segment lasts? And how does that differ from the average length of time of the last four minutes of a standard game? Sure. So again, we saw this uh, for a fairly small sample in June 2017. And that was one thing that we were tracking is to see, okay, how much theoretical game time elapsed once the game clock shut off. And we were taking out four minutes off the clock. So the the perfect uh, result would have been that it worked out to about four minutes of game time that you're that you're putting back. Uh, it was very close to that. It ranged from about two minutes to five minutes. Uh, the, the ones that were longer were more exciting games where you were seeing comebacks. The ones that were shorter, that were closer to two minutes, those were blowouts where the leading team said, hey, Right. Instead of just let's just standing around and dribbling out the clock, let's go score our seven points and get out of here. Were there any good comebacks from the team that was down by more than seven? There were some insane comebacks, and out of those eleven games, we saw uh, three come down to a virtual sudden death scenario, and those were great. But the craziest comeback was a team that was leading sixty-seven to fifty-four when the game clock was shut off, and then their opponent went on a 14 nothing run oh my gosh to take the lead and then the team that or had the original lead actually came back again and won on a breakaway layup uh, that that was great now what about the buzzer beater though i love those like half court shots at the end won't we lose those uh you mean those actually happen uh, I, I, I like, I, I I like watching game, them hit the rim. I love games that end with meaningful made baskets, too, and the Elam ending will guarantee many more memorable moments because every game has to end with the swish of a net instead of the blare of a horn. And yeah. that, uh, that same sample of 2,200 games, only about 1% of those games ended with a meaningful made basket. Once I really dug into it, found out that uh, you've got to sit through 99 games without a buzzer beater before you get yeah. to one that does have a buzzer beater. And that's, and, I think that's and, far too rare. Um, Nick, um, so obviously you've thought this through a lot. You've worked hard on it. You've been experimenting with it. What is the avenue toward and what are the chances of it actually being adopted by any professional leagues? Have you had any meetings with the NBA? I have had discussions uh, with people in the NBA front office. And? They're definitely uh, intrigued by the idea, and I think they're, uh, they've got eyes on it wherever it's being tried. Very interesting. Before we let you go, Nick, uh, AJ, is there anything in Nick's presentation of the Elam ending that you feel you need to factually challenge? No, I think he's, uh, he's good. On, he's a Mensa member. I wanted to know who are the Mensa athletes. I had a little trouble, uh, <laughs> not stereotyping, but Gina Davis is very good at archery. I know that she tried out for the Olympic team, and she's a Mensa member. And then there's a boxer named Henry Milligan. Could it be, however, that elite athletes spend so much time training that they just don't have time to apply for Mensa there membership? There you go. That's exactly, or they can't afford the fee. Who knows? Nick, is there any element or point that we haven't asked you about or that you haven't made that you feel is important? Um, if you compare football, soccer, hockey, or other, you go way on down the line with other sports that use a clock, like water polo, lacrosse, field hockey, um, rugby, you know, handball, all those other sports have lower scoring rates, and they have to continue to use their clock throughout the whole game. Basketball is the only time sport where it has a scoring rate high enough that it can have the best of both worlds, part-timed, part-untimed, and I think that's what makes this really cool. Uh, Nick Elam, thank you so much for uh, telling us about the Elam ending and congratulations on uh, getting it out into the world. Thanks so much. This has been great. 